0: I'm
1: Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, currently serving as chaplain to Cedar Break Retreat Center. And I'm here today with Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, who is the pastoral care coordinator for restorative justice ministry in the Diocese of Austin-Gatesville region. He serves the incarcerated and those who are the corrections officers with them. And we are now beginning our third episode in reflecting on Eucharist in the service to the incarcerated and to the corrections officers. In our first episode, we looked at those who are known as general population, uh, the inmates who have freedom of movement privileges uh, that can go about and conduct themselves in work in. uh education and worship, and in our second episode, uh, those who live in what is known as restricted housing that are confined to quarters for the majority of each day. Today, we want to turn and speak about the experience of bringing the Eucharist into a given prison unit and how that brings us into a sense of communion with those who do not share in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church our brothers and sisters of other Christian communions. But as we have seen over our years of service to the incarcerated and to the various prison units, our bringing the Eucharist in, in the Holy Mass, uh, in communion services, definitely has an impact in our relationship with those who don't share a fullness of communion with us. And so the first thing, Deacon Ronnie, I wanted to kind of uh, address in this regard is what you've experienced, and I'll share what I've experienced, of catechesis, of those who are now incarcerated having come from a non-Catholic Christian background— Coming into a prison unit where there's nowhere to run, you have to rub shoulders with people of other Christian uh, denominations of other world religions, and over time you get to know them in other venues like your workplace or your education place or just uh, in in recreation or whatever it might be in your dormitory or cell block. And as time goes on, inevitably topics of conversation come up just like they do around the water cooler at people's workplaces or on the schoolyard, and those can address things such as religion. And the subject of Eucharist comes up, and there begins to be an opening up of an understanding different, perhaps, than what they grew up with, than what they got uh, catechized with, if you will, in their time uh, in their other churches, and now they come and they encounter us They encounter you as a deacon of the church, me as a priest of the church, our flock as practicing faithful of the church, and it begins to take on a different look for them about what the Catholic Church understands Eucharist to be and how the Catholic Church tries to model Eucharist in its people and how oftentimes those who are not in communion with us can see the Eucharist in us, and at times, though we Uh, we speak of Eucharist, we don't always act Eucharistically, that they get both sides of our, our humanity of the glory of the grace that the Eucharist brings in us, and of calling us from our sinful humanity to act more Eucharistically. So um, just to begin with, you know the, what you've seen, and, and I'll add what I've seen, in the growth of understanding of, of our uh, non-Catholic Christian uh, brothers and sisters in the prisons in terms of their sense of the Eucharist as we bring it.
0: I think the the beauty of this ministry and exchange with the um, other communities of faith is the fact that we are able to be uh, Christ incarnate to them. There's a presence of Christ. It was not not in what we say, but just but just how we're able to uh, how we live our lives and and how we are able to share those exchanges with them just in just in everyday conversation. Uh, the beauty of uh, uh, the Catholic Christian tradition is that it, 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 we hold the fullness of the truth, and, and the Holy Spirit never contradicts itself. So we've got this exchange going on, and and we find that in those exchanges that we actually have more common ground than we have apart, and and so we're able to have the opportunity to very uh, pastorally uh, correct any misconceptions or understanding about any of our traditions or practices. But we realize that uh, the one that directs us in those exchanges is not ourselves. It's it's just the Lord Himself. His Holy Spirit guides us in, into those exchanges and really does give us an opportunity to catechize. You know, to say, well, you know, perhaps you understand it that way, or and my favorite answer is, I don't know that answer to that, but I'll get back with you, and you know, and just be able to to, to be honest and truthful with them. But be genuinely who you are. God has created us to to be, uh, to live our lives in His image and likeness, and it's a privilege to be able to, to represent the Lord in those in those in, in those encounters. Um, I think that through the years and from my experience and yours too, Father, I think you, you could concur that that the uh, at first it's it's uh, we're viewed from a distance, and then then we become uh, actually sought. They seek you out. For, for pastoral care, uh, for uh, I got something I got to tell you. Uh, I don't know how many confessions you've heard that of, of, of non-Catholic traditions, but there's been plenty. And there's there's there again there's that beauty of seeing that that they realize that that uh, you're someone that they can come to and trust and talk to, and they know that that that, that you hold that uh, as a very sacred and, and uh, encounter with with with. With the Lord.
1: Certainly do. And just to, to clarify for some of our listeners who may uh, hear that and say, well, wait a minute now, what's a priest uh, doing here in the confessions of people that aren't uh, in full communion with the, the church? Our practice is in, permitted by by law that if a person does not have access to a minister of their profession and they seek out the opportunity to confess their sins, I am permitted as the only available minister to them to hear that confession. And so that is how that, that comes about. But I would suggest that for many, it is the worship, the act of worship in either a communion service or in the Holy Mass that allows them to build the trust to call you out as somebody not a, a part of their religious tradition and seeing you as somebody trustworthy to, with that very vulnerable moment of giving the truth. Uh, because for a lot of us, when we do something wrong, um, we're not very uh, keen to share our culpability of that wrongness, that we'd rather water it down. We'd rather shift the blame to somebody else. uh, We'd rather not even talk about it at all. I don't even want to address the fact that I have sinned one more time. And besides that, it's none of your business. And so I'm not going to tell you about it. And yet over and over again, uh, the entree that bringing the Eucharist into these units, because that's you know we're, why we're there, is to bring the Lord to them. Then opens itself up to these other realms of the the truths of our faith, particularly about forgiveness of sins. And as we all might imagine, for those of us who have never served time or even set foot in a prison, while you're serving time in a prison, you've got a lot of time to think about what got you there, about um, the uh, the crime per se that, that you committed uh, having to process it to integrate it into who you are and where you're going and the the Lord in the Eucharist who says I'm going to sacrifice myself not for the best of who you are but for the worst of who you are uh, that's a very profound and, and cleansing kind of reality for, for the people that we share whether they're professed Catholics or not.
0: Yes and 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 uh... Again, the, the affirmation of that is that they seek you out, um, not only as a, in that, as you mentioned, if the tradition is not available to to receive as a as a, a priest to celebrate that sacrament and uh, sacrament of reconciliation, but also as a confessor, broadly more to it as a, in spiritual direction, where they come to you and say, "I have got something that I really don't really want to share this with anybody else, but I feel confident enough to bring that to you." Oh, and you listen, you listen, you receive it. Um, you trust that the Holy spirit will guide you in your answer to that person. Uh, you and, and, and it, it may be a, a one-off encounter, but at least they, they felt confident and, 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 um, it felt comfortable enough to, to bring that to the table, if you will. Um, most of that, even as we celebrate, the mass and you, during the chapel or their, their workers in the chapel that what you hear back from the, them is through the years is that that's beautiful what a beautiful experience i just had and i really don't know what i did i mean except i was just there and i said you know that's again affirmation that words would get in the way to try to describe that because those are those are those sacred mysteries that we believe are to be holy and true and they just encountered that
1: and that encounter one of the things i remember uh, from my experiences in in many places and Um, Just again, for our listenership, please understand that any given prison unit can have distinct differences to it based on the folks that are incarcerated there. Or the, the purpose of that given unit, because not every unit has the same purpose in the journey of an incarcerated person. Uh, there are units that are available to prepare people right before they go on parole or are released because they've served all their time. Uh, there's units that have purposes for different kinds of training and vocation work, uh, education opportunities, so forth and so on. Um, but you get souls that come to mass because they're seeking, they are just absolutely classic seekers. Maybe they weren't uh, that churched when they were out in the world. But um, I, want, I don't want to overlook the power of the Eucharist in the individual Catholics that go to Mass or receive from a communion service. And then like bread broken and, and, and blood poured, they go back out into the general community, non-Catholic, to be the Eucharist to them to answer the questions and to say to their friends, you know, I'm going to have to ask the deacon or the priest about that one, who then sometimes say what Deacon Roddy said a minute ago. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one because they'll stump us many times. And I applaud that. It means they're thinking deeply and they're really wanting to know genuinely what the Catholic Church teaches about this or that, whether it's in relationship to Eucharist or not. But that, that disposes the non-Catholic people to understand our Catholicity, To understand it in a human way, to understand it in a presence of Jesus way, to understand that we are not saying because we cannot share communion with you, we're not saying that we can't share the Eucharist presence with you. And over time, they'll come to Mass knowing that they're not going to receive the host, but they are going to receive the presence of the Eucharistic Lord in the manner that the rest of us do, save Holy Communion in the Word. Um, in the Word made flesh, in, in one another, in the prayers of the Church, in the gifts of the Spirit. And what I find over time, Deacon Ronnie, is, and I know you've seen this too, the frustration that grows from the fact that we haven't come to terms yet with all of the communions of Christianity making good faith efforts to truly come together so that the act of Eucharist can be shared.
0: Yes, but I would would say that um, again. The beauty of of what you just said is is, and I'll use uh, I'll I'll change the wording. Collateral damage to a collateral encounter. Where we go out, we have that uh, that experience of Eucharist, and then we the Eucharist goes with us. We take Christ out to others, and and that's a beautiful encounter to see that that there there is more things we have in common than we have apart, and that comfortableness of sitting, um, of, of approachability, uh, being able to just, you know, hang out with each other. Um, we're no longer this uh, elephant in the room. I mean, we're, we're actually referred to as, as Christian brothers and, and sisters. And, but that hasn't always been that way. Um, no, it hasn't always been that way in our local communities. But but particularly in the prison, I think again, it's it's beginning to say, hey, these 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 folks are real. Well, it's it's Christ that's real. I mean, he's the one that's real. Uh, we we're, we're compromised sinners like everyone else, but he's the real deal. And when you buy into that and you believe that, with then, then there's a change, not just in us personally, uh, not just in our community personally, but in the unit, and you can see that to be. Uh, the respect that they give you when you come down the, 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 the run or you come down the, the office. Uh, good morning, Father. Good afternoon, Father. Uh, Father, can she see you for a second? She's got something. I mean, that's that's a beautiful encounter with Christ.
1: Well, it really is, and I think it speaks to when we get to engage in an incarnate way, we also get to engage in the divine presence way as well in the manner of the Savior himself and that whatever previous sense of hostility towards Catholicism in particular that someone may have had, whatever sense of this is what I thought you guys were, which equated to you weren't the real deal, I now have come to know you personally, and it's your Catholicity that, that makes you who you are. Uh, you know, you're, you're being part of the body of Christ, and I can now accept that. Um, I still don't believe the way you do up and down these certain you know, criteria, but I can accept you as a Christian brother or sister. I can accept you as a presence of Christ. And that's moving the needle, if you will, in the dialogue of communion in general um, relative to the oneness that we all share within the Catholic communion – in Eucharistic itself, and I've seen that over and over again.
0: We've even seen it in signage that the uh, institution yes. uses as it refers to us as Roman Catholic Christians, Christians. yes, uh, and then non-Roman Catholic Christians. So there is that that uh, a recognition of each other, and that's that's again, as you said earlier, we all long for the day that we're one, but um, we're. Uh, Prayerfully on on that same journey to toward eternal life and, and that's one of the things that we uh, him I just say I, 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 I don't know that person's heart only the Lord knows their heart but they, they we have this encounter with each other um, and we can know that the Lord affects that um, and he, he's he's in charge and we're not.
1: And it's so true, and, and given that he's in charge and that we're not, that we don't have to let ourselves, we can, but we don't have to let ourselves get wrapped up in hostility, in suspicion, in rejection, um, in turf, um, in, in any number of things like that relative to one Christian communion to the other, because we're all in the prisons sharing the same space every day. There's no choice, um, it would be like if for those of us who, who are at home and listening at home, let's say that um, every Catholic parish, for whatever reason, had to share the worship space with the the local Lutheran church or Presbyterian church or whatever. I can promise you if that was the case year after year, there would be a difference of understanding of one another off out, out of the law, lo- the raw logistics of sharing a, a communal space. Well, that's what happens in prison you have to be mindful of the other services. You have to be out on time and in on time because there's other people that are queuing up to use that same worship space. I would think it's very similar to uh, in, in uh, military chapels that have to be all purpose for, for different world religions and not just, just Christianity. Well, there's a dynamic there that helps to bring people together because you have to, there isn't any getting around it.
0: No, you have to. And then, even again, and, and just the week in and week out encounters, um, there's the pastoral care uh, component that, that just presents itself, that, that you're able to be Christ to whoever presents themselves to you. And, and you can see the Christ in them. You can see the, whatever it is that, that whatever moment of, of sacred encounter you have with that, it, it's a privilege to, to be able to exchange that and, and trust that God is going to always guide you and give you what you need. Um, part of why we're able to do that is because of him. I mean, is, as, as a priest of Jesus Christ and, uh, um, and having, uh, in my case, uh, my, uh, the privilege of serving Christ at, the, at his altar. Um, it, it gives us the grace that, uh, the, the grace of our nation to, to go forth and help. but, but also, um, to be aware that um, this is about him. Everything that we do there uh, is to the Lord, uh, to his greater honor and glory.
1: As we find ourselves at times in the presence of people that are determined to continue to believe that what we bring to the table in their prison unit is not helpful to them, is not helpful to their Christianity, that they really do have a need to say, I just cannot accept you, I don't want to accept you, Uh, I'm in a good comfort zone believing that the way that I'm worshiping as a Christian and the communion I I associate with is the way, and and therefore you as a Catholic presence are a bad thing, Uh, I think it also gives us the opportunity to share in the manner of Jesus who found himself in that position over and over again as well, and then to respond in kind to accept the rejection for what it is, um, to even, in a sense, honor the rejection because it honors the person who's doing the rejecting, to simply say, in my heart, I know that that's not something I could ever personally sign off on, but I'm going to honor what you believe, even though I pray one day that we can believe together in a different way. I do think that the encounters that we have over and over again, that full spectrum of of non-Catholic souls, from the the very friendly to the somewhat circumspect to the outright rejecting, provides us an opportunity to to call us out and say, okay, how are you going to handle this, Mr. Conveyor of Eucharist? Are you going to be Eucharistic in response? Are you going to... Uh, Bristle up and and get defensive and because that's what our humanity at times wants to do is is to to buck up and say, hey, what are you talking about here? You can't you can't talk about my religion that way. Well, yes, people can. And I'm in the same space with them. And and therefore they have that availability to do. But my response doesn't have to be the negative response. It can be a response from compassion, a response from understanding. Uh, if there's an underlying element of irritation, so be it. But you don't have to let that call the tune and what comes out of your mouth or your your body language next. It can simply be to say, okay, well, then we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this matter. But in the meantime, let's refocus on what we do hold that we can both easily see as something that we can talk about and agree on. And then you, and you move in, into that. I think it's the, the presence of the Eucharistic Lord that allows that to happen as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and it gives us a, a beautiful opportunity for us individually to, uh, um, again, uh, embrace the, uh, virtue of patience, uh, of humility. Cause it's again, um, God sends people in our lives to—I uh, to, call them chiselers. <laughs> They'll chisel you and shape you and form you if you so allow it. Uh, but there's 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 a there's a good thing that's going to come out of that. It, it's painful, but um, it does help us to grow in, in in the virtuous life, which is keenly important in a, in any environment, especially in a prison.
1: The next thing I wanted to address is the observation or the impression or the, I don't know how to to put it exactly, the apprehension that you may have had, and and I'll share what I have had, over time of sharing ministry with our non-Catholic Christian partners, Uh, I think of field ministers that are are trained inmates that are given uh, the privilege to go and evangelize other inmates, that that they have a training that, that says you're there for everybody, not just for your own communion, um, and and others as well. Um, some of our our band members that come in from from other communions and their primary worship is not a Catholic worship, but they enjoy worship no matter what. So the the, the question is, or, or the lead in, how we have come to see Eucharistic um, expressions in those who aren't in full communion with us that we marvel and say, "My goodness, that is such a Eucharistic way of doing things." That you so and so. Uh, carry about in yourself or that you so-and-so speak about um, the the sense of Eucharist in their communion, um, even though it might not be Eucharist as we understand it, um, the, the ways that you've seen that. For example, um, people that you'll talk with Um, On the street, if you will, which is the street is the sidewalks that people travel to get from point A to point B within a given unit if they have freedom of movement uh, privileges or in a cell block uh, where it's restricted. And you're having conversations with somebody that's not Catholic and you get done with the conversation and you look at them and either say it out loud or think to yourself, that is a very Eucharistic position that you're taking there. And it'll be things like the sacrifices that they'll make in order to right wrongs that brought them to prison, the humility that they show, like the the Lord showed himself in humbling himself to share, you know, in in our humanity, Um, those different kinds of ways that so many of our non-Catholic Christian sisters and brothers bear about in them the sense of honor, the sense of respect the sense of presence, particularly in the Word of God, uh, but in other ways as well. And I say to myself, you know, you're embarrassing me in your Eucharistic manner because I haven't risen to, to that level on this day anyway. And I just am curious, are there any any experiences that you can think of where you just have said to yourself, my goodness, that's quite a Eucharistic person that's before
0: me? I, I, I think it uh, particularly in the... Um, um... Christian traditions of, of their communion is it with the Word. Uh, and, and, and as they read those sacred texts, uh, there is a communion for us as well, but for them it's profoundly Eucharistic and what they bring from that encounter with the Word. And then uh, you hear it in, in their um, genuine desire to live what they have just have taken in. And so that again, that's their version of going out and being Christ to others as, as He's been to them in that encounter with that text. And I will say this, they're very dedicated to their practice of 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 reading the text, of, of praying the text, of studying the text. And it shows. It shows in how they if, if they're genuine and, and sincere, um, God God takes that and, and transforms it and uses it in a very powerful way.
1: One of the examples I wanted to share was the instantaneous movement to prayer. Mm -hmm. I cannot – how many times where I've been standing with somebody and just in casual conversation – it could be a unit chaplain, it could be other uh, Christian volunteers that we routinely see and we get to know and we feel like partners in in ministry with them because our our desire is to bring Jesus Christ into the lives of these people that are incarcerated – and, you'll, and just in a casual conversation, you'll say, yeah, something happened in, in my family or something's happening with our my brother priest or whatever. And they'll say – they'll just immediately look at you and say, well, then we need to pray. Um, and, and they'll just stop right then. And the next thing you know, because that person has stopped – other people around, all non-Catholic Christians, are, are saying, hey, there's a prayer moment come, coming on, and they all they, they, they roll in there, and now there's it's like a, a rugby scrum, but instead of rugby, it's prayer. And they shift into this gear of having heard what you said about whatever the need is to bring Jesus to bear on it, and they're off and running. And they start to pray, and it's spontaneous prayer, and they're bringing the, the petitionary-type things to it. They're calling upon the, the blood of Jesus to, to heal the situation or whatever it might be. Those have always affected me personally as a kind of that instantaneous presence of Jesus that, that we hold so dear when the host is held above the chalice, Behold the Lamb of God. Uh, those are very eucharistic moments for me personally that I don't often see in in, in my own personal practice within Catholic circles, but are just uh, just immediately available in in those moments uh, that that I see in the prayer orientation and and practice of our of our non-Catholic Christian friends.
0: To support what you just said, it's also true in their leadership when when the chaplain closes the door to his office and shares with you. Something personal that's going on with, with in his life or her life, that uh, there's that sense of uh, fraternal uh, sharing and in, in the ministry, they feel confident enough and, and and comfortable enough to availing whatever it may be that they're going through, and and you're you you do the intake, you listen and you you trust in the Lord again to provide whatever it needs to be, if it's nothing else, it's just a presence. Uh, that that's a very good. Uh, Affirmation that it, there is one God and He's a holy God and He's 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 alive and He's well and He's on the scene and you allowed yourself to be there present to them.
1: One Lord, one faith, one one baptism and and uh, that that was perhaps one of the more moving moments for me personally was my last uh, week and last days uh, of serving the the years that I was there and um, was in a situation of personal disrepair. And I just, for whatever reason, bothered to share that in one of those private closed-door moments with one of the unit chaplains and one of the senior ministers of one of the other congregations that comes to that particular unit and uh, felt a little vulnerable doing it, almost uh, was inner dialoguing, saying, you know, maybe that was a little bit much. And their, their genuine love an expression of desire to see Father Harry healed from what he was going through was astounding. And and if, if anything, I would say it was absolutely a Eucharistic presence from, from the no Lord. Doubt. And I'll never forget it. And I'll always be grateful for it. And I am confident— it's what set me in that moment on the next steps to get to being here today as now a chaplain at a retreat center but continuing to share in this restorative justice ministry so let us give uh, all the glory to to God to praise his holy name and to thank him for all of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior
0: Brothers
1: with me brother will you walk with me